Welcome to Canel and Bell on this Tuesday. Hanging out, Danny Canel, Rajah Bell. A bunch we got to get to, a bunch of moves in the NFL, quarterbacks. Yesterday, during the show, breaking news, we knew Drew Brees was hurt, and then it was announced he was going to be out six weeks. Uh, we get information, information, information that keeps coming. There's a lot to get to. Quickly, recap of last night's game. The Browns beat the Jets at MetLife 23-3. to I'll give you the synopsis. It was ugly. I don't feel any differently about the Browns. I still think they're not very good at this point, and the Jets are a disaster. Really, nothing in my mind changed after last night's game. For you? Uh, not really. Like, Odell was awesome. We already knew he was awesome. Yeah, and you knew he was. I, I felt like I was happy for him to have that game. Um, it sucked for me because I needed, like, 13 points from Jarvis Landry in fantasy. <laughs> like, six. Didn't get it. Um, I didn't get it. But I do feel like for, for the Browns, it's the first step. And I talked about, like, taking – Step one before you get step two to step three, you need to go back and figure out like, you know, what you need to tighten up. And there are a lot of things that they need to tighten up. You know what I mean? And so, you know, getting in and out of huddles, like getting getting the play called. Um, you know, there were a bunch of times where they were on the clock. Baker was clapping, clapping, clapping like crazy. Like you need to start now going back and dialing it in. Yeah, I do think there is a high ceiling for the team. But you got to be dialed in. You got to be crisp. You know. Hey, I'm. I'm giving them a pass almost because we talked yesterday about what a must-win game this was. Yeah. They got the win. They got the win. Like, that's all yeah. that matters. Like, we're not sitting here talking about how bad it is. We're talking about Odell Beckham looked awesome. Right. Like, it's it's amazing how winning changes the conversation after the game. I don't think it was great. I don't I don't feel that much better about him. I still think they looked average on offense with all that talent. That Baker Mayfield struggled somewhat. I didn't think he looked great. His stats are a little bit deceiving because of that 89-yard mm-hmm. touchdown mm-hmm. pass. But – Again, they won. That's all that matters. Did you see Odell's watch in the pregame, which he didn't wear during the game? He wore it during pregame. Now, so we had the two hundred thousand dollar watch in the first game, which yeah. caught all the controversy. So he was like, you know what? I'm gonna roll out with a two million dollar watch on my wrist during pregame. I wonder who he hands that watch to, and like how nerve. Like after you take it off for the game, like I don't think you're just handed it to equipment manager. If Better you are, security like security guard, <laughs> exactly, like a case, a briefcase, have it like uh, like the cane handcuffed the, to uh, your the turnover wrist. chain. Yeah, like you've got to make sure you keep that thing unlocked. Two million dollars. Yeah. Hopefully the company gave that to him. That's right. my hunch. All the pub they got. Nobody who knew who Richard Mille was before that. Now, all of a sudden, they're talking about it. The company probably sent him that watch, is my guess. I hope you're right, bro. I ain't yeah. counting another man's money, but bro. The visor controversy, I don't know if you saw this. Early in the game, first time, the game has started. They're going down the red zone. And all of a sudden, uh, the refs tell Odell Beckham he's got to leave the field. And everyone's like, what? What's right. going on? So he was wearing a, a visor that was reflective, and it was too dark. According, It's kind of like window tennis or driving. Sure. Not a lot of cops uh, actually enforce that law. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. Somebody's there's a little <laughs> right. So, but it's kind of similar. Like if they have somebody they don't a like, directive from someone, right? <laughs> exactly. This is what we're gonna do. So Odell was told he had to leave the field. So the equipment manager, probably the same guys, the watch in one hand, the one hand, quickly, uh, you know, takes it out. Odell was ticked. You could see him yelling at the officials. The the one beef I would say, and he was saying, "Hey, this is me. You guys are picking on me." Right. Usually, this is determined in preseason warm-up or pre-season. pre-game pre-game yeah. warm-ups there's a, actually a guy from the nfl that goes around to every stadium he has a little checklist and he'll write down different players they should have told him in the pre-game sure. they should have noticed it then and said hey if you if you we're going to take you out of the game if you don't wear that if you're going to wear that visor thankfully it didn't have an impact on the game because then it would have been just stupid from the nfl's perspective right uh so they got it changed out it was no big deal that's about all we have from that game that's about all that was going on there was actually bigger news during the game um, as as also as there was yesterday, right after we finished our show, it was announced that Ben Roethlisberger is now out for the season for the mm. Steelers. A probably worst case scenario for any team 
when you lose your franchise quarterback, look at what it did to the Jets, and that's only a quarterback in his second year. You you lose a future Hall of Famer, and it has a chance of derailing your season. Mike Tomlin's official statement, Ben Roethlisberger had an MRI on his right elbow Sunday evening. It was determined by the Steelers medical team that surgery will be required. We expect the surgery will be scheduled this week. He will be placed on reserve injured list and is out for the season. Big Ben, for his part, put out a statement as well, said the same news, but he also said, I can only trust God's plan, but I am completely determined to battle through this challenge and come back stronger than ever next season. That is completely going against my take. I think Ben is done. I think he's done in the NFL. He's 37 years old. He's already hinted at retirement. I mean, like he kind of just wants us to forget about that, but he went on his radio show, which has gotten him in a lot of trouble before for other issues, and he said, you know, the game is rough. I've taken hits to the head. We don't know what's going on with CTE. You know, I've thought about retiring. If you did that a couple years ago, and now you're dealing with an injury that's going to cost you to miss an entire season at 37 years old, and a team that's kind of, he doesn't have some targets. And I know Antonio Brown, they're not best buddies anymore, but you lost one of the best receivers in the game. You lose one of the best running backs in the game. It looks more like a rebuild than a team that's close. I think the more time that goes by, the more that Ben Roth is going to look at the big picture and say, you know what, do I really want to come back? And I think that answer is going to be no. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, no one really wants to go out as a competitor, as as a Hall of Fame type of player, which I clearly never was, but I'd have to imagine it'd be even tougher to go out like that. Yeah. Not on your own terms, um, having an injury do it. Most guys want to have the satisfaction of, of closing it up the way they'd like to close it up. Like That doesn't necessarily mean a championship, but you get to walk away and say, I played my last season. I'm done with this. Um, I've talked about this before, like the rehab of an injury. I, I don't have a great analogy, but I, it's almost like the stages of grief after someone dies. Like when you first get injured, yeah, you're like gung ho to get back. Yep. Well it, well, it sucks at first, and it's like, oh my god, why did this happen? And then you're like, you know what? I'm gonna pour my heart and soul into this. We're gonna get back. You have the surgery. You come out of surgery. You know, you can't wait to get the. It, it, you go through all that, and then there's a point when you come out of your cast or whatever um, device you're in, and you can start the rehab. And that rehab is that grueling process of of being in there every day, getting very minimal gains, seeing very little progress made where you start to say to yourself, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're an older player. So I'm with you in that. Right now, I don't think retirement's on his agenda. Like, I don't think that's something that's in his mind. After he has the surgery and he's sitting around and he's waiting, he's waiting, and when that rehab starts and those gains aren't like huge strides day to day, I think somewhere in Ben's mind, it's going to be the conversation as to whether or not this is worth it. Am I willing to continue to do this for what's left in our window of opportunity with the Steelers, which from my you know, perspective is not very much. Right. I would, uh, and maybe Joey can help me on this. I have not seen the exact surgery he's having. There's been a lot of speculation. What is this? Yeah. Ligaments in his elbow. To me, if you're going to miss a year, like my mind immediately goes to Tommy John surgery. I don't think that's been confirmed or that's what I haven't it heard is. it. I don't know if they're just going in to clean it up, but then like, why is it the rest of the year? Now, granted, it's your throwing elbow. So it's obviously going to have an impact on that. Um, but I'm with you. Like when you go and you look at the impact this could have on his velocity, on his arm strength, all of these factors, I just think he's going to look at it and say, man, financially, he is going to be happy either way. Right. But he can make a lot of money if he can't play again. If you look at his contract, the way it's set up, um, it came with a $16 million injury guarantee for 2020 and $14 million more in injury guarantee guaranteed in 2021 
which means that he should he not be able to return after this season and he's you know hey i can't do it anymore he's gonna have a uh, 55 dead cap money is coming to the steelers and he has 30 million dollars for the next two years to do nothing like and not get your body banged up and not have to worry about concussions to not have to worry about anything except counting your bill like <laughs> counting your paper getting those m's right and now granted some guys like they're driven differently hall of famer I, I totally hear what you're saying. He doesn't want to go out like that. Nobody does. Like I know. But I, I just. not going to go out like that. But I think. I hear what Somebody's got to have a gut check with him and say, well, do you want to go out this way or do you want to go out and it gets worse? Well, like so you that, could have less success and people remember you as, man, your last year was really ugly and you couldn't get it done anymore. Now, that's a very real conversation that could be had. But that's got to. Who who's going to tell him that, though? No, I mean, that's your camp. Like, yeah. those are your boys. Like, the people that you rely on. That's your inner circle. Now, there's a whole other conversation taking place. The ball might not be in his court. And I talked about this yesterday yeah. with the Steelers saying, hey, listen, let's be real with who we are as a franchise for the first time. Then <laughs> The move that they made uh, to get Minka, yep. while some would say, I don't see that as them saying, hey, we're still all in. I, I think that's a very young player. He's really cheap. Like He fits the mold of getting young and trying to be a younger franchise, chasing something in four or five years from now or three years from now. Um, but if you're the Steelers and Mason Rudolph is a guy that you think you can count on moving forward, Bringing Ben back next season, whether Pittsburgh fans liked it, it makes no sense. Right. It really makes no sense. If if he's the guy that you think the torch should be passed to, you know, to carry the Steelers franchise forward, it makes no sense. It would just be, you know, uh, prolonging the inevitable, bringing Ben back next year, and quite frankly, stunting Mason Rudolph's growth. Again, if he's the guy. Probably all this conversation that we're having right now, it's too early to have it. Like, right. to be honest with you, like, we can guess, hey. What's our job? Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's our, <laughs> of course it is. But... If Mason Rudolph goes out there, looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. That makes the Steelers' decision a lot easier, and right. maybe even that's a reality for Ben. Where if he's if he realizes, oh, my job's not going to be handed to me, maybe I have to earn it back. Or worst case, if like for Ben, is if Mason Rudolph goes out there and looks like a legitimate starter, franchise future for the Steelers. Steelers are like, that, yeah, the Steelers are like, we're going to move on. Then the answer is given to you. So correct. a lot of it still, of course, has to play out. You mentioned the trade that took place during the game last night around ten o'clock. During the Monday Night Football, it, the story broke that the Dolphins traded Minka Fitzpatrick to the Steelers in exchange for that first-round pick that you mentioned. This, to me, is the Dolphins are an absolute train wreck. They are absolutely tanking, if there was any doubt. And there was no doubt because everybody's looking at this team. But here's where I think it's different. Basketball, you can tank. You can roll out bad players, as the Sixers did when they were tanking, yep. as other teams have done. You can roll those guys out there. They can try hard. You can put it, and they're going to try hard to win. But you know what it doesn't do? You don't have to roll out a 53 man roster. And those guys that you roll out in basketball, there's nothing threatening their body injury wise. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yeah, they can sprain an ankle. Yeah, sure. Football is a dangerous sport. And there are going to be some guys on the Dolphins that look at this and say, why am I going to go out and put my body on the line every single Saturday, uh, Sunday, if we're not even trying? You know what? I, my my hamstring is a little bit tight this week yeah. or my shoulder. Maybe I hit it a little hard in practice and it just doesn't feel right. I'm telling you, Raj, dudes on the Dolphins are going to start shutting it down. You will have a mutiny on your hands for the Miami Dolphins if they continue this, which it looks like they're going to do. And it will go down as the worst team in NFL history. And it is not going to be pretty. And NBA kind of like and Sixers fans were livid. They were upset, but it kind of wasn't a major storyline. I think the Dolphins taking will be a major major storyline that the NFL is going to have to deal with. And honestly, I don't know the solution, but it's going to get ugly. This is what I was afraid of 
a week or so ago when we talked about Brian Flores and his job security. First of all, I do believe that they had the conversation with Brian Flores about, hey, this is going to be really lean because we are going to try to rebuild this thing. But when they say that to you, you don't understand the scope of that. You don't. You don't understand the depths to which they've taken this this thing now. And you've created an environment where he might not be able to salvage that 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 um um you know team type of culture you know you might lose guys just because the organization has done it so poorly and they've handled it so poorly that as a coach you're left there handcuffed and you can't even have the conversations that you need to have to keep people on board and when that happens you've got to go right a coach has <laughs> to go yeah. and so you know this is what i was afraid of when they started doing that um I will say this just to play devil's advocate. Even with the Sixers, like when again, when you're when you're tanking, it provides opportunity though. Right. Like for guys that otherwise in in in, a, in in any other world wouldn't be on an NFL roster. There you go. Yeah. This is your platform to maybe uh get your stock up. Here here's an opportunity for you to show any other NFL team that you were passed up that's what you in the have draft. To but and, and that's what you have to hope you have got a bunch of guys like that right. on your roster, right? So that would be devil's advocate with that. My only other real critique of the Dolphins at this point is, what the hell are you doing at the quarterback position? Right. What are you doing? You ha everything you're doing speaks to get young, be bad, evaluate. Except the damn quarterback position. Right. Where you keep rolling out Ryan. That's the Patrick. one. Right. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. They'll go to Josh Rosen before long, but then how are you going to evaluate Josh Rosen with that dumpster? Well, yeah, you've just. Yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. So you pretty right. much sabotaged your own trade, which right. you're, you're trying to acquire all these picks, and then you gave away some of it to so get Josh Rosen, which is there. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. So yesterday we had breaking news with the Drew Brees injury. We had more breaking news with Ben Roethlisberger out for the year. A lot of franchise quarterbacks. Towards the end of their career, it's starting to look a lot different, and that is the situation what's happening right now in New York with the New York Giants. Yesterday, Pat Shermer would not name Eli Manning to start a quarterback. They asked him about it. He said, I'm not ready to name a starter, and he kind of felt like, oh, okay, this happened flag. sooner than we thought it was going to happen. Well, now they have announced that Daniel Jones, the sixth overall pick in the draft, will get the start for the New York Giants in their game on the road against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, followed by the Washington Redskins. This, to me, is not surprising that they're making this switch. I just thought it came a lot sooner than I thought. I thought maybe after six or seven weeks, you give them the back half of the season. The thinking, the mindset clearly has to be, which they told you all along, was, hey, Eli gives us the best chance to win. Maybe you thought you captured lightning in a bottle somehow. I don't know how with that roster. But they were thinking, all right, if we have a chance at the playoffs, we'll keep rolling with Eli. 0-2 start. They're saying, you know what? We're going to find out what the young rookie's made of. You know what? I actually see it a little different. I think this tells you – well, first of all, I, I also thought it would be like closer to half a season uh, and they kind of gracefully get out of the Eli business and get into the Daniel Jones business. But I think at this point, after seeing him in the preseason, they're telling you, we think he gives us the best chance of getting us to the playoffs. Do you know what I mean? Yep. As slim a chance as that might be, I think they're looking at Eli and they're looking at what Daniel did in preseason and said, yeah, dude, he represents the best shot. Um, of course, we need to see who he is. But he's better at this point, and we're going to roll him out there and see if he can get us to playoffs. Yep, our buddy Jamie Eisenberg joining us now. Surprising to you, timing of it, or was this just, hey, this was inevitable? Uh, both. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a little surprising that it came in week three uh, because the season's not lost yet. But at the same time, I think you said it best, Raj. You know, like they may feel that Daniel Jones gives them the best chance to maybe salvage the season, keep fan interest involved. It's also a pretty decent landing spot. You know, I mean, I know it's a road game. You typically like to see these moves come at home. But Tampa, while their defense has played well, 
they're not the most formidable opponent. You know, so I think you give Daniel Jones an opportunity to, you know, sort of get his feet wet in a situation where week leading up to a division game, even though against a home against Washington, I think that there's a, a chance that Daniel Jones comes in and makes some plays against his Bucks defense. Isn't it funny how in this business how quickly things can change. I mean, and it was uh, somebody, I forget who it was, tweeted out a picture of the back page of the New York Post and the Daily News. And, you know, right after the day after the draft, it was like, Daniel, who and what are we doing? This is disaster. We stretch. This is not it. And then going up to, you know, after preseason and leading up to now, it's like, we got to make a change. This is the quarterback of the future. It was the, the, the first headline you're referring to was after the draft. It was Blues Clueless yes. with a picture of Dave Gettleman looking like he was lost at the draft. And then it was the savior. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Or the heir apparent. The heir right. Parent. Yeah. And now and now they're going ahead and making that change. I will say this. I still feel the same exact way I felt about Daniel Jones coming out of Duke. I still think he's pretty green. I was not swayed by... Oh, okay, this is the preseason. It is a completely different animal when you go from the preseason speed, schemes, the playbook that you're going to have to run, the defenses you're going to have to see, as opposed to what he's going to face. And I know Tampa's not very good, and it's not going to be that tough of an environment, but it's a whole other animal. Um, There's only one other guy that I thought I was wrong about because he flourished in the preseason. I was like, hold on a second, and it was Dak Prescott. He was doing it in the preseason, the first preseason as a rookie with the Cowboys. And I'm like, hold off a second. But even still, I was like, let me prove it. And he did prove it over time. For Daniel Jones, I'm not sold on him all of a sudden coming in and picking, you know, carrying up that level of play they had in the preseason. I think you're going to see a setback. And I still think it's going to be a learning type of year for Daniel Jones and this type of team. Uh, I would imagine he'd be up and down like, like any rookie would be. If I were in their front office, I'd just be... There were a couple of things. I looked obviously at his production and whether, you know, we're making strides from game to game, whether he's learning from the mistakes. I'd also look to see if, you know, everyone else around him uh, were flourishing more than they were under Eli, right? Like, because that's ultimately the quarterback's job. So if he was able to distribute that ball and get people in better places, give people opportunities to make plays, um, those are the things I'd be looking for. Whether they translated into wins or, or not right now, I'd feel comfortable in my decision. If he was making strides, and people were happy around him. Like, do you know what I mean? I'd be really taking um, a pulse of what was going on in that locker room to see how people were responding to the move uh, and how it looked, you know, moving forward, whether we were won or lost. All right. Just a quick question from your perspective. If you're Eli Manning and you see now that the Steelers need a quarterback yep. and the Saints need a quarterback short term, probably more so the Steelers than the Saints, would you be open to a trade? I think I would. You know, it depends on – because I think you're looking at it saying, I'm done with the Giants. If right. he's still really – now, if this is his last season and he's thinking, hey, I'm going to retire after the season anyway, maybe just stay stable and you say, I don't want to go uproot, start learning a new system. But the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, sure. like what about them as an opportunity? Gardner Minshew has been a nice story. He's been fun to watch. I just think like if you're Eli's perspective, the Steelers – Yeah, playoff potentially right. in like, the mix. As, as Okay, they're done with me. I still feel like I could play, especially if I had better talent around me, which I think is the other side of this for Daniel Jones. If Sterling Shepard's still dealing with a concussion and Golden Tate's still two games away from playing because of the suspension, are they putting him in the best chance to succeed because of Benny Fowler and TJ Jones and you know Cody Latimer not being the best receiving core around him? Obviously, I have Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram. Right. Not that those receivers make or break what this Giants team looks like. And to your point, Raja, it's more long-term than it is for 2019. But I think for both those quarterbacks, you know, it's interesting, especially from Eli's perspective, if would you want to well, how, nice to Well, how about another team that's probably thinking, man, if we'd only waited a couple weeks to give our quarterback all this money, Jacoby Brissett. 
you know, the Colts, yeah. you know, Andrew Luck, they were looking for a quarterback. Yeah. They might have liked to swing at Eli Manning for a chance, but now I don't know salary cap if they can Take afford it because they Eli. had just paid Jacoby. Yeah, for sure. I am. Uh, one fat fantasy impact for Saquon Barkley, other guys on this team. I mean, you, you know, you've seen Eli now for two games, right. the, you know, majority of the season. You know, he wasn't going to make or break Saquon Barkley, so Barkley's still a stud. And, and the same thing with Evan Ingram. You know, I think we saw Daniel Jones, to your point, it's the preseason, but we saw him enough to know that he's capable of making the throws, making the reads. You know, it's different in the in the real games when they count. But uh, I'm not getting away from Saquon or Evan Ingram. All right, let's bring in our buddy Pete Prisco to help us break down this uh, breaking news. The New York Giants have named Daniel Jones their starting quarterback after just two weeks. I think most of us thought this would happen sooner or later, but much sooner than any of us would have anticipated. Pete, your initial reaction to this news is what? Uh, you know me. I'm a big believer in playing the kid. Uh, you got to get on with it. Look, I have all the respect in the world for Eli Manning, arguably and debatably a, a, a Hall of Fame quarterback. But uh, you know, it's time. It's time to play the kid. You got to get on with it. And, and Daniel Jones did enough of the preseason. And I, I heard you. I know it's only the preseason, but uh, he had a command of the offense. He looked comfortable. Uh, I liked the kid a lot more than most people did coming out. Uh, and so did the rest of the NFL. You know, the draft picks and the analysts all missed on that one. Uh, he is absolutely going to be a really good quarterback, and so why not get on with it and start the process? Pete, let me ask you. We just talked about it real quick. Um, is, is there a potential market out there for uh, Eli Manning at this point, and would he, would he even be receptive uh, at this point in his career to a move? No, that's a good question because he's very established in the city up in New York. I know he likes living in New Jersey right over there, right over the bridge. and uh, So, you know, that's a good question. I, I would think that he would want another opportunity to play. Uh, would the market be there? You know, now that he's spent, what's the, what's the market? Is it a five or four? Uh, you know, it's not going to be a high draft pick, but you know, if I'm the Steelers, I nose around a, a bit. If I'm, uh, you know, Jacksonville Jaguars with Minshew, I'd probably nose around a little bit, particularly since Tom Coughlin's there. Uh, but would he want to go into that mess right now? I mean, that, that's a messy situation and they play on Thursday night. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a market for him. It's just a matter of if he wants to go somewhere else and do it. Uh, you know, or does he want to just finish his career? the rest of the season in New York, and, and then retire. So, uh, But I do think there would be a market for him. Uh, as far as the, you know, you're going, hey, you got to go to Daniel Jones sooner or later, I thought the plan was, and this is what the Giants told you, their brass told you, hey, Daniel Jones needs a year of development. He needs a year to just learn. We're not even considering playing him this year. And it is the NFL. We realize how quickly things change. But there was a lot of equity that was built up for the fan base, for the, you know, the organization itself, when he completes 85% of his passes in the preseason. Do you worry at all that if Daniel Jones goes out there and they do go him too early after just two games, that they lose some of that? And all of a sudden they're looking at it thinking, all right, we lost any sort of momentum we had with our young quarterback? No, I don't think so. And here's why. I mean, look, it wasn't just the preseason. It was the entire offseason. I remember when I was there in June, he was the best quarterback on the field that day. He was throwing shots all over the place. So, to answer your question, I don't think so. It, you know, people always point to David Carr, what happened to David Carr at Houston. Oh, the psyche of the quarterback. Look, if the psyche of the quarterback is ruined by playing as a rookie, then you drafted the wrong guy, period. And plus, you, you hear the stories about David Carr. He was going home at 5 o'clock. I mean, you know, he wasn't putting the work in. Uh, this kid seems dedicated to the craft. He seems like he wants to get a play. I tell you what, he's got a big chip on his shoulder. He pays attention to all that stuff. And I think he's going to go out there and be a really good quarterback. Uh, the Giants aren't good. So what? So what? Just go play. Pete, from the standpoint of not necessarily the timing from the, the record, but just in terms of what the team looks like right now, especially with the receiving core, you don't know if Sterling Shepard is going to play because of the concussion. Golden Tate's still two games away from coming back. 
Is this a good setup for Daniel Jones to have success? The fact that there's limited talent around him. We know Barkley and Ingram are obviously great, but the the rest of the receivers are. Yeah, but you know what, though, Danny, you can sit there and say that week in and week out. I know he doesn't have the great talent around him, and, but then look at the schedule. The schedule has, you know, you, go, I don't want, you don't want to put him in against that team. You don't want to put him in against that team. And next thing you know, you look up and it's eight games in. Uh, look, if you, if you got it, you got it. And, and I understand that the receiving group isn't very good and probably – uh, you know, if I'm Eli Manning, I might be sitting there saying, hey, you're benching me after what happened with the same receiving group, you know? So, no, I, I just think, I, I think he's above that. I, I really do. I think this kid is mature beyond his years. I think he gets the NFL. He understands the passing game. And I think he'll be okay. It's not going to be great right away initially because he doesn't have those receivers. But it's not going to be awful either. I would expect him to be, you know, competitive. Uh, and a guy who's going to throw, you know, he's going to throw a touchdown pass two in a game and then throw two or three interceptions. That's what you get with young quarterbacks, but that's what you got to let him do. And Danny knows this. Every quarterback I've ever talked to said, you could stand on the sideline and watch the entire season and call in the plays and, and, you know, everything you do there on the sideline and chart and play, and you can't learn one-tenth of what you will learn when you get on the field for one game. Awesome stuff, Pete. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy the day. I'm sure you'll be all over CBS Sports HQ throughout the day, getting us updated on this story as well as all the other breaking news across the NFL. It's been a flurry. It's been a rough time for quarterbacks for sure. So good stuff, Pete. Appreciate it. All right, as we come back to Canel and Bell here, uh, breaking down this Daniel they, Jones they calling yet? Any teams? <laughs> not, not yet. I don't know if I'd want to go back at this point. You know, like they are dropping like flies. You said Trevor Simeon last night, but the, this era of quarterbacks, which you know, the coming of the season was golden age of quarterbacks. We're going to, you know, a couple more runs for these players. You know, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, now Eli. I mean, this is a class uh, of guys that are similar. I know they're not all exactly the same class, Tom Brady, but it's it looks like it's coming to a close. I mean, it's kind of sad, like, once you sure. step back and think about the reality of it, it's like, man. Th- and you don't want to see him go out like this. You know, like, right. you know, like again, Ben and Drew are much more serious, but... You know, Eli, it hasn't exactly been a great two or three years. Right. And, you know, for the for the Giants' perspective, you're like, well, why'd you bring him back this year? And like, that's I, that's one thing I never really understood. I think they were hoping for the Alex Smith-Mahomes. Not that it was right. the same thing, but, you know, that Alex Smith gave them one final good push for the Chiefs and then was easy to turn it over to Mahomes because of the talent that they were hoping. Maybe Eli keeps them afloat for a little bit and you turn the keys over to Daniel Jones, but... Uh no, not not the case at all. Yeah, it's and it's and if you do, I mean, take him at your word as Raja did. Hey, Daniel Jones might give him a better chance to win at this point, especially if he continues the way he played. I just wonder, like, is this all right? Are you going to ride or die with Daniel Jones the rest of the fourteen games? If he's not, if you he's healthy, well, no, I know you're. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's where I think this is a little bit risky. Where you could just go here, and if it doesn't go as well, and I'm not saying I don't think they're going to be a winning team. I don't think they're going to be eight and eight. I don't think they might even be six and ten. But if it goes off the rails a little bit and Daniel Jones has You're a couple of three or four interception games, you know, what could you do to this guy? But okay. you remember when Eli started and like the yeah. first game where he got destroyed? I yeah. Mean, it was he took over for Kurt Warner and it just it looked ugly. Yep. Start, and, then he- and it does for most right. rookies. It's going to look like that. And the point that I've heard is a counter to one I'm making is most of the time, if it's a franchise quarterback and he's the quarterback of the future, he'll be fine. And if he does implode and he does cave in and he can't handle it, then he's probably not the guy. Yeah. When it does. Uh, Fantasy-wise, would you do anything with Daniel Jones here? Two quarterback leagues, super flex leagues. I know, Roger, you're playing a bunch of those right now. Mm, no doubt. Uh, so, you know, these these more um, two quarterback formats. You know, I don't think anybody's playing him in a one quarterback league unless he comes out and shows us something. But, you know, it's uh, it. he's not the first guy you're looking for to replace Roethlisberger or to replace Breeze who are – 
starters. You know, you're still looking at Josh Allen and Matthew Stafford and, and Andy Dalton in that group, but he's in that next group of guys with, you know, probably spearheaded by Jacoby Brissett has played well, but um, Gardner Minshew and you know now Mason Rudolph and uh, and and most likely Teddy Bridgewater. I say most likely because we could see Taysom Hill, but um, Daniel Jones is in that next tier of guys you're adding off waivers. Yeah, when you look at the schedule on the road against the Bucks. Home against the Redskins. That's the game where where I think it would have made more sense. Right. Because Washington's not going to be very good. They would be coming off a short week. Remember, they play Monday night against Chicago. Yeah. So it's almost like you let Eli go one more road game, see what happens. Now, I guess the fear is he plays well and you can't make the switch. But right. it just makes more sense to be home. Even if it's a, though it's a division game, it would be short week for Washington, which is a very bad team. It's funny, though, how quickly things change. You were saying they're worried he plays well. But it's, I'm sure that is something maybe they were considering, like, uh-oh, if we go, we can't do this. What if we can't do this for another three or four weeks? Right. Because from what they told us, the Giants brass was, Daniel Jones is going to sit the whole entire year. You know, it's funny. And I get there are seeing things behind the scenes. If you look past the Washington game, the next two games, it's impossible <laughs> to say. You want to you throw Daniel Jones into facing the Vikings or facing him at, you know, facing the Patriots on the road. You know? Absolutely so, not. At least, at least maybe the thought is, get his feet wet against the Decent opponent in Tampa Bay, even though it's on the road. Come back, maybe he gets a home win against Washington, against a team again coming off of a short week. So maybe that's the thinking: is see how he does against Tampa Bay. Go beat the Redskins. You know? Yeah, like that's the mon- mantras. Go beat Washington in Week Four. I think the whole time. But I mean, I know what they. You put up a good face as a as an organization, like you've made the statement about him wanting wanting to sit him this year. But this is fluid. We're looking for a window of opportunity to make the change. We've already discussed it. He's the guy going forward. And you go week to week and you say, okay, window, no, nah, not right now. Window, right. not right now. They got a window. You pull the trigger. Do you know what I mean? Because to your point, you lose a window like with anything else that you don't know when it's going to pop back right. up again. So I think it was fluid the whole time. How about maybe we see week four, Dwayne Haskins? Well, I was, I was looking at the same thing because the Redskins haven't been lighting it up. I thought that was a chance earlier that that could be Haskins' first start. And, but I thought it would be against Eli. Right. But now you could see this matchup that everybody would love to see. You got Haskins coming in the team that, you know, hosed him that he's not happy about chip on his shoulder. Daniel Jones start for the Giants would be a fantastic matchup. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Washington's 0 3, by the yeah. Don't really way to go out way on that <laughs> limb there. Um, Eli, I think will handle this like a professional. I think, um, you know, he's classy. I think he'll be a good sounding board for. Daniel Jones this season, but I tell you, man, it's just a rough way to end your career. We're talking about Ben Roethlisberger early. You don't want to go out that way. Like you want to go out in your own terms, but the NFL, there are only, you know, Peyton Manning, like how many, John Elway, very few get to actually ride off into the sunset. That's in a a lot of sports. No, for sure. Most most people hold on too long. You're the last to know you hold on too long. The only, I agree that Eli is a, is a good dude. Like, and he's going to be a professional about this. The one thing that changes people um, is if you start jerking them in this process. Like you've made the move. If there's a scenario, and I can't imagine the Giants would do it, where you would go to them and be like, "Hey, look, kids, not doing last year. Oh, we do. Yeah. If yeah. you jer- if you jerk him in that scenario, you're gonna get a different. Right. You're get a different- Especially if it happened over the next two right. weeks, and then they gave him the uh, the Vikings. Correct. Defense, Correct. You know, or going then it would be a really. Yeah, I, rough I think situation. you know, looking at it, you would have thought maybe okay, let's see, give him one more chance to go ruin the Patriots season. You know, go do that one more time. He has been the Patriots killer for sure. Uh, all right, good stuff from Jamie Eisenberg. Appreciate you there. Uh, Pete Prisco as well. At the top of the hour, Jason Lockenfor is going to be on CBS Sports HQ to help you break down this one and get any other news from the NFL with all these injuries coming out. They have been coming with a flurry. JLC will get you updated on those. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. Crazy couple days in the NFL. Bad news for a lot of quarterbacks that are getting up there in age. 
uh, either injuries or now the breaking news out of the New York Giants, Eli Manning has been benched in favor of Daniel Jones, their sixth overall pick. Uh, crazy time. Uh, indeed, you know, come in with all this excitement about the quarterback era and you're seeing some of them come to a close, uh, which is kind of sad when you look at it. But uh, we'll keep you updated on that at 11 a.m. Jason LaCanfora is going to join CBS Sports HQ. As I'm sure Pete Prisco, Jamie Eisenberg will have you covered all throughout the day with all of these stories um, throughout the NFL, including what is an absolute dumpster fire of a situation developing in Jacksonville. Because mm-hmm. if you watch the Texans-Jaguars game, Gardner Minshew was a bright spot in that game, the young quarterback. Texans come up with the win. But what was really trending, being talked about, the video was going viral, was Jalen Ramsey and Doug Marone going at it on the sideline. Uh, Jalen Ramsey was walking off the field. He was hot about something. Uh, Doug Marone comes up and grabs him, like wants to tell him something. Coach, I'm sure, say what happened. Jalen gives him the hard, like, get off me, goes over to the bench, sits down. You get that? That happens. Here you go. So we're getting a look at it now on our feed. Uh, goes over there, sits down. Doug Marone goes up to him and says, hey, I want to give you a piece of my mind. Wanted to get into it a little bit. Two other Jaguars teammates have to jump in before it gets really ugly. Well, you don't want to ever see that happen. I mean, it, it happens in practice. It happens other places. Guys shoving matches. But it's never a good thing. It's never a good thing to have to answer that question. After the game... Joey, bring me that sound of Doug Marone after the game, which is kind of funny. We have it. Oh, we don't have it. All right, so at, okay, now we got it. Doug Marone after the game. I, there's a lot of emotion in the game. I'm sure. I, I don't know. I can't. I can't recall. I, <laughs> wow. I, I couldn't even. I can't even recall. I mean, it's 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 a it's a lot of emotion on that field playing a division game. I mean, you've got to be hand. You you should be actually. This is kind of ridiculous. Your PR person, whoever handles that, should have come up to you after the game and said, you know what? we got a situation developed. People are talking about this on social media. You're going to get asked this question. You need to have an answer. And that is not the answer you want to give. I can't remember it. You look clueless in that spot. You look like you're covering up something really bad. The easy thing to say is, yeah, we got heated. That's it. Yeah. It's football. It happens. It happens. Family. it happens all the time. Get over it. And then it's not that big of a deal. Now, clearly, it is a big deal. Because Jalen Ramsey goes out and has requested a trade due to that one. This is the era of entitlement. Players are taking more and more control over their situations. Jalen Ramsey has stated a bunch of times through this offseason, I want my money. Shows up to camp with the Brinks truck. Says it's time to pay me. He wants a new deal. And now he just says, I'm not even going to wait for free agency. I want out now. Is it entitlement though? Or is it just like exercising whatever control you have in a situation like yeah but i don't know sort of a mindset for me that's similar to some circumstances with college the transferring like players are just they're not willing to stick it out you know like i get it like maybe you don't like doug marone maybe you don't like being on the jaguars but there's something in me that's and maybe this is just because i was raised a different way and i played in a different era where you kind of had to and you were stuck with it yeah i liked it but i just was i was gonna do it now Jalen Ramsey is in a position which is very unique. Ezekiel Elliott was in this position. Um, other players who have been able to – Antonio Brown was in this position. Mm-hmm. You are that good of a player, and Jalen Ramsey is a top three defensive back in the league. He might be able to get something done because he's that powerful. Well, well, so for me, that doesn't fall under entitlement. Like I'm, I might not have been raised in an era where that I was accustomed to seeing that, or, or uh, but the fact is if you have leverage in a situation – 
um, we applaud people for using it in business sector and all different you know facets of life, right? Like mm-hmm. if you can leverage a situation and get the desired result, like people celebrate that for the most part. So I don't really have a beef with it. Um, it's never a good look for a franchise when you're coaching your player. I didn't realize that Doug Marone had grabbed him. I thought that Jalen Ramsey had just made contact and kind of like pushed him, which, you know, you, that can never happen. Right. That, that, that has to be dealt with uh, on a whole nother level. But um, if he was grabbed and he was just getting him off of him, I'll, I'll give him some sort of pass on that because right. don't be grabbing me. Right. You know what I mean? As the right. player, keep your damn hands off me. Right. Um, but it, it's a bad look. And I imagine um, with Tom Coughlin there. He's old school. Oh, yeah. And Doug right. Marone is old school. And Doug, well, I, I don't think they've been enamored. They haven't loved the Jalen Ramsey brand. But here's right? the deal. You know? Here's the deal. And I, I, I'm with you. Right. And they're going to get rid of him. Right. Here's the problem, though. How often do you get a lockdown corner in the NFL? Right. Like, how often do those you, come- you don't see guys as talented as him is. His size is pretty tall. Right. You have, to, you know, have to stack up against a lot of tall wide receivers. Uh, he's a guy that will go follow anybody around the field any receiver not a lot of db shut it down yep so here's and i I catch a lot of heat and i say this a lot like um you know it things aren't always even but they are fair right and so if you represent more value to your employer than someone else then, then you sometimes get a different set of rules that's just life people don't like to hear that but that's life so in this case scenario now I know Jalen wants out, and if Jalen just puts his like, you gotta get him out, and he won't do anything for you, and you gotta make that move for the health of your franchise, do it. But anything short of that, I'm making this work. Right. As the franchise, I'm not letting you leave that building if there's something that I can do about it, because I can't replace you. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's real talk. Yeah. I just I wonder how this plays out. Uh, Antonio Brown had to sabotage the situation. I mean, people thought, and maybe they were right, but people were speculating mental illness. And and the Raiders were like, this guy might not play football again, so we're just going to cut him. Right. I don't know if anybody's going to get away with that again because you've kind of seen this sure. happen. Like, let's say Jalen Ramsey. Let's say the Jaguars are like, all right, you want traded? We're going to send you to the Dolphins. Or, so, you know, like the worst team in the NFL, the worst possible situation they can find because they're not happy. They don't want him to win in that one. Yeah. Then what does Jalen Ramsey do? Is he going to be happier in that situation? Well, that's, you know? the, that's the flip side. Right. From a play, from, from and you run that the risk. Grass isn't always greener. Yep. I've told you stories where guys, you know, wanted to be out, got traded to a, and GMs have told me right. that they did it on spite. Absolutely. Less di- I'm telling you, Tom situation. Coughlin and Doug Marone are going to try to do yeah, it on so, spite. So be careful with that. But you get what you – look. The same way I'm supporting you having the leverage to 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 get out of a situation. If you get sent to a worse one, that's what you get. Yeah, but you know what I mean. So yeah, uh, end of game situation for the Jags. So they went for two instead of I, I hated it. You didn't like it. I, I love it. it on the road. I love it. Here's what I didn't like: the play call because Gardner Minshew had just scored a touchdown, running around, yeah. scrambling, finding a play to work. Instead, you go to Leonard Fournette for the two, where there's really only that option. At least if you have a quarterback getting to the outside, he can run or pass it. If he can find a way to make a play, I just didn't like the play call. I am a firm believer, because it happened, I think it was the Texans-Colts. It was Frank Reich. Remember, they they had, I don't don't know if it was a two, I can't remember the exact situation. They kind of took a risk that put it all on their team, and they ended up losing. But I like when a a coach says, I believe in my team, I'm going to try to go for the win. It's on the road. We're in an environment. Let's get the win and see if we can steal one. And that's what they try to do. Why can't you like steal it in overtime? Uh, you could. 
But the way your team has been playing, you're playing with a quarterback who's making his first start. Like you get that opportunity down on the two yard line. You might not even have a scoring opportunity. Yeah. You know, with a young quarterback. That's one of those, like, here's the deal. And then it, again, it's, it's cut and dry. It's playing. Right. Play. Let's sift through the BS, right? Right. If it works. Yeah. yeah oh, for it. sure. If it well, don't that's work. Why, it, that's where my mindset is. Yeah. I don't have a problem with going right. for it at all. Like, and you can disagree with that and hey, take it to overtime and then you, yeah. ro- and then you roll the dice. But that's what everyone's, you know, hey, you should have gone for the extra point. You should have taken it to overtime. I don't have any problem going for two. <laughs> I just didn't like the play call. And you're right. If, if Andrew you do it for net, what I would have been like, yeah, see, I told you were right. You're totally right. You know, just, I mean, yeah, to your point, like if you're going to, if you're going to be the, philosophically that kind of coach, right. You know what you better keep in your pocket? <laughs> what a rabbit's foot. <laughs> no, a damn gangster play that you know. Yeah. Gets, is going to work. I mean, right. it's like a 75% chance right. that this is going to work. Right. Right. Like, I mean, you're not going to run felt... a basic to your point. <laughs> right. And maybe they thought, Hey, that was our best chance. Obviously it didn't oh, work out there. Indictment. Joey, what do you got? Yeah. So I guess my thing is I, I know people are going to disagree on whether you go for two or not, but doesn't a doesn't that sort of strike you as a play from a team with nothing to lose in week two? And if you're a player on that team, like a Jalen Ramsey, and you see your coach going for two after this quarterback just led you down on a touchdown drive, don't you think that he's sort of mailing it in? Like it's two weeks into the season. Like no, see, I the point. Here's the mindset. Here's the mindset. I think here's the mindset that I think players have. If your coach says, I'm going to go for it on fourth downs, I'm going to go for it on two, go for the win, I think players like an aggressive coach that's going to say, you know what, I trust you to make the big play. I really do. Last year, and that's that's I that Colts example, the Frank player. Reich move last year. I was like, I, even though it didn't come up, I was like, you know what, the players are going to love that. They're going to, because players just, you know, every offensive player is probably thinking, let us go for the win. They're not saying, hey, let's, I see, because I think kicking it and going overtime is playing it safe. And I think players want to be aggressive, and they want your belief in them. They can get it done. They're saying, "Give us the ball, give us a chance." Playing it safe, you go for it. Going overtime, is you go it for it. You go for a, uh, an extra point. You kick an extra point. At what percentage of the time in the NFL is it ninety-seven percent? Yeah, of the but time? This, wait, 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 wait. Just uh, humor me. <laughs> yes, you kick it like ninety-seven percent of the time. Yes, it's not playing it safe. That's just doing what you do. Like you're getting out of character, chasing this win. I would also make the argument with Joe. Like, just do what we do. We'll go out there and we'll hold as a defense. How you guys? We'll, are crazy. we'll get this. Like I, I mean, again, uh, ultimately, safe. Either make it work. Uh, you know, like if it works, great. Like I'm not going to question. You guys Leonard drive Fournette, around with Leonard Leonard Fournette was, You guys drive around with ten and two on the highway, going the speed limit, man. I'm speed. <laughs> Leonard I'm Fournette was averaging like three yards a carry on the game. They absolutely dominated him. I know you. I know you. I know you disagreed with the play call, but. Just going for it in that situation at all is crazy. The typical, the axiom in the you're NFL. Gardner Minshew, dude. It's not like <laughs> right. you're putting it in Tom Brady's hand or swashbuckler. Swash. That's what it is. The old axiom in the NFL. I would actually. No, I know he does. The old axiom in the NFL. And I actually would yeah. be really curious because I usually see analytics nerds chiming in. Guys who have never played it down. Right. And yet they have all the spreadsheets worked out. <laughs> I would actually be really curious to know what the analytics told you to do in that situation. Yeah. The old axiom in the NFL has been if you're in that exact situation where you need a one point to tie or two point for the win, has been if you're at home, you kick it, go to overtime, you take your chances right. at home on the ro- uh, at home, and on the road, you go for the win, go for two, and if you do it, you don't like that's kind of been the formula that's okay. been proven over time. Now, again, I don't know what the analytics say, and I would actually be genuinely curious to see that. I'll have to yeah. I'll have to tweet it out, see if I can get some nerds to chime in on that one and say, No, 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 they should have kicked for overtime, but we'll try to find that out. All right. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. So news out of the NBA, not even news, just kind of buzz around it as 
LeVar Ball and Lonzo Ball were doing an episode of their show on Facebook, I believe is where it still aired. Mm -hmm. And they were having a conversation around a table with their marketing agent. And they were talking about the big baller brand, right? Triple B. And the marketing agent basically had a piece of advice saying, hey, it's damaged goods. It's been around some negative press. We need to change the name. And all of a sudden, LeVar Ball hears this and goes, no, 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 no. The only thing that's damaged goods is Lonzo. And Lonzo's sitting right there in front of him. And it starts getting really uncomfortable. They're talking about what they should do with the brand. And LeVar is just throwing it. And I give Lonzo credit because I think he needs to stand up to his dad more. And he was trying to, but you could tell he was holding back somewhat. And he was trying to make his case saying, hey, well, you know, we had this manager who ran the company in the ground, stole our money. We need to just start new. And and LeVar was like, no, you can't change the name. Like, you want me to change your name to Alonzo instead of Alonzo? Like, I'm not doing it. Of course, it was much more an- animated and a lot more. Um, it was just really harsh, some of the comments that he made yeah. towards Lonzo. He said, he said, what, should we change your name to something uh, instead of Lonzo because people say you were damaged goods for the last few years? And yeah. the kid's face was just like. Oh, dejected. I was like, hurt. ouch. I, yeah, I felt terrible watching that. Um, you know. It's hard. I don't know LeVar Ball. So I don't know if what you're seeing on that Facebook live show or whatever it is, is is just him um, playing some kind of WWE character or if that's really the way, um, you know, he operates with his sons all the time. I thought watching that, that Lonzo looked like he's matured a bit as as an adult, like an NBA player. You could see he has his own opinions regarding, you know, the brand and how it should be handled and so on and so forth. But he still um, is, you know, defers to his dad. I'm okay with, I mean, look, it's a really touchy subject. I have three boys. I'm an involved parent. Um, I would like to think, though, that when they become that age and they're making their own money um, and they're the breadwinners, that I will still be there for counsel for them, but not try to run their show for them. Do you know what I mean? And to some degree, I think Lonzo and his dad have to have that conversation. Like, Dad, with all due respect, this is my show now. Like, you'll always be my dad. I will always love you. I will always take advice from you. That doesn't mean that I'm going to do what you tell me to do, um, but I will always use you as counsel. And it doesn't look like the relationship um, is like that. And I don't believe that Lonzo will ever fully reach full potential as a player until you feel comfortable standing on your own feet and making your own calls. Because at the end of the day, when you're on a court, the only person that can make those decisions is you. And you have to be empowered to do that. Like, And you have to empower your kids You know, the whole time you're bringing them up to be adults and make their own good decisions, not to still control them when they're 20-some years old. Yeah, I think they do have a relationship where clearly he's coached him, parented him really hard. The only thing we've seen is how he's built him up to be this great, you know, he's the best player ever. You haven't seen that side of it, so I think that's shocking. If I'm Lonzo, I'm calling Adidas, Nike, and saying, sign me up. Give me, what do you you want from me? I'm out. Uh, Exactly. All right, that's a wrap for us. Keep it posted. CBS Sports HQ, uh, Jason LaConfora, JLC, coming up at the top of the hour to help you break down the entire NFL news. It's been a crazy couple days. He'll get you up to date next.